Hello. Thanks for tuning in. This is Dan, and you're listening to the Spaceship Earth podcast. Uh, this is a little mini-series experiment that I'm doing uh, during the pandemic lockdown. Uh, this is episode two of what I'm calling Reflections from the Great Pause. Uh, about a week ago, I was sent a mail from a friend, Charlie Gladstone, who runs a podcast called The Mavericks, and he was asking three questions um, to... Uh, contribute towards a remote podcast he was doing and uh, I sent him my answers via phone and um, he's been putting them out over the last week Uh, I'm on episode seven if you are curious to hear what I said anyway Charlie um, inspired me to do something similar so I have uh, been sending out uh, emails to um, some friends and um, some previous guests on the show and um, I've asked them five questions. I've sort of remixed uh, Charlie's approach slightly. Uh, And those questions are, where are you and who are you with? Uh, What are you struggling with the most during these times? Uh, Are you doing anything that is bringing you joy in these times? Uh, What are you hoping might emerge from these strange times? What bits of getting back to normal do you hope will not return and I've also offered up a chance to share anything so that's it and um, I have no real idea how or what was going to happen and I've been um, getting some responses coming in and um, yeah I'm really grateful for what's come in they're just really lovely thoughtful um, open honest um, reflections from people um, observations feelings and um, I decided I'm just going to stitch them together three or four per episode and get them out. Simple as that. No editing, just in their raw form. I wanted to caveat, as I did in my offering to Charlie, that I realise I'm in an extremely lucky situation and I'm very, very aware and grateful that... I am at home with my family. I have a lot of nature around me. I have a garden. I've got just about enough work to keep the uh, walls from the door for the next couple of months. And I'm not out there on the front lines uh, like so many people are, keeping all of us um, going. And there's a huge amount of people that are really suffering and struggling right now. And... Yeah, I just wanted to part that because I'm very, very aware of of all of that stuff. In fact, um, a friend said to me the other day, "There's feels like there should be a word uh, to describe this feeling right now that you're kind of feeling, you know, okay and sometimes weirdly grateful to have a pause. But yet inside you've got this gnawing feeling that things are really, really really bad for so many people and it just feels totally wrong and that is how it is right now but I hope collectively we move through this and act on that revealing that realisation and uh, ensure we do something to change that from happening again so this is episode 2 These are some lovely offerings. I'm very grateful for what people have sent in. 
Um, I've really enjoyed listening to them, and I hope you do too. We're going to kick off with Tom Kay, who is founder of um, ocean-inspired uh, clothing brand Finisterre, who I'm sure many of you are aware of or fans of. I'm a massive fan of, of Finisterre and <clears throat> what they stand for and have been following Tom and his journey building this amazing business um, for many years. Um, have met some amazing people through Finisterre and the community that he's built through the brand and what it stands for. It's this exceptional community of of people that are part of... Um, I guess this growing movement of people who are super connected to the sea and the ocean. They're an amazing bunch of people down in Cornwall and their ambassador network around the world, all guided through the vision and leadership of Tom. So um, let's cut the first offering of this episode with Tom Kay of Finisterre. Hi, I'm Tom, the founder of Finisterre. Uh, thank you very much, Dan, for inviting me to be part of your remote podcast um, here in Snagness, where Finisterre is based, uh, on the cliffs of uh, North Cornwall. And right now I am on my daily exercise walk with Otis, uh, who's right there. See Otis, yeah. A loyal companion, I'm sure many of you got dogs. Um, and so, just answering now Dan's, Dan's questions, uh, I think um, the second one would be, what am I struggling with most during these times? And I think it's probably the fact that uh, it looks like things are gonna get worse before they get better. So everyone is sort of adapting to new normal, doing all they can, really kind of hunkering down, looking after their loved ones, making sure they're safe and well. And I think with the knowledge that things are gonna get worse uh, before they get better, that can be quite demotivating sometimes. So that's the thing I'm personally struggling with a bit. Uh, although I sort of live each day, you know, day by day, and a positive day is a, is a good thing. Um, have I started doing things differently that's bringing joy to me in these times? I guess, uh, like a lot of people, life has slowed down in a really, really positive way. And for me, I've been really getting a lot of um, inspiration, I think, from nature. And I think nature is such a powerful thing all around us and if you are in in a city if you're in a town or village it's around you all the time and it's a really beautiful time of year right now with all of the hedges and trees coming out all the birds pairing up and I just saw my first swallow um, yesterday morning which is a really a, it's always been a thing for me seeing swallows at this time of year you know the earth is still turning that little bird has spent uh, I think 200 days getting here, 8,000 miles from South Africa to come and spend the summer with us. And so when you see them, you need to welcome them in and give them a real cheer because they spent a lot of uh, effort getting here and it's a really positive sign. So for me, getting you know the resilience of nature and the kind of positivity of the uh, adaptability of nature, I think is something I'm getting real kind of, um, give me a lot of resolve right now. Um, what can I hope would emerge from these extraordinary times? I guess it's the uh, the fact that personally, I think uh, the sense of community that we're all seeing in you know everyday heroes all around the country, and that closeness of communities, friends, family, loved ones, um, 
and not being able to just go and see them uh, if they're bit, you know they're a distance away. So I think the kind of real appreciation of those connections and not taking them granted and really making the most of them uh, and making effort to stay connected, look out for them, look after them when um, I think that could emerge. And what bits of getting back to normal do I hope will not return? I definitely hope we maintain some of this slowing down, uh, consuming less, we don't need as much as we think, uh, more of a subsistence existence, you know, food, shelter, family, your tribe, and those kind of being our priorities really. Um, so I hope you guys are all safe and well and your families and friends and community are well you're checking in on one another. Um, it is really scary and uncertain times and I think what I want to leave you with is a brand Finisterre we connect people to see and encourage an emotional connection to see and whilst, whilst I appreciate a lot of you cannot be down here right now um, and we're lucky to live here and work here I thought I could do maybe a virtual connection to the sea because it's a beautiful day uh, it's, there's no one on the beach right now but um, and it's empty obviously and don't worry it's as beautiful as you remember it's being and do you know what after this is all over it's going to be even more beautiful I think everyone's going to appreciate it even more so I'm going to sign off now say thanks Dan love what you do uh, thanks everyone for tuning in to this podcast remote podcast and um, it's Tom from Finisterre saying stay well stay self and leave you with a, a view of St Agnes okay thanks everyone so last night I watched a documentary with my whole family which is you know not often like that I'm sort of known as you know dad is known as doc guy not always the most popular film guy in the room in our house uh, but I managed to get my whole family to sit down and watch a film called uh, The Biggest Little Farm and if you haven't seen it I highly recommend to watch it it's beautiful hope-filled um amazingly shot documentary i don't really want to say what it's about but it's about what could be i think right now it's about the power the healing power of um of getting our hands into soil and figuring out what we can do even on a m tiny micro level to a bigger level of how we can regenerate the world through um yeah, through stepping back and observing and listening and understanding how the whole natural system works and the power of diversity and the power of just, you know, experimenting and connecting and looking for relationships in everything. And it's about food and growing and plants and animals and creatures and beauty and vulnerability and going with energy and flow and intuition and all that great stuff and it's and it's wicked so yeah if um if you've got some time on your hands um it's on i think it's on youtube uh you can pay it's like 2.99 or something it's so worth watching the biggest little farm absolutely beautiful so uh my next um, contribution is coming from um, Lucy von Sturmer who I met Lucy a couple of months ago well I met her online a few more months ago but I actually met her she's based out in Amsterdam 
Um, and uh, she is, um, well, she has got an enormous amount of energy, Lucy, and is doing amazing things in the world. Um, so her and her partner, Jess, run uh, an agency in Amsterdam called The Humble Brag, creating impacts, positive impacts in the world through thought leadership. And they do that through um, working with all kinds of organizations and people to kind of use the power of ideas, opinions and creativity to challenge the status quo that we exist in and create positive impact. Sounds, sounds, sounds quite needed right now, right? Yeah, so they're doing that and doing that brilliantly and also um i first connected with lucy last year when uh she was responsible for sort of kickstarting catalyzing a movement in amsterdam called creatives for climate which again in response to extinction rebellions challenge to the sort of advertising creative industries um which i've documented in a previous podcast last summer um she's basically galvanized her and her partner jess and others and a whole crew of them that have come together um uh really sort of kick-started um a big positive disturbance in the creative sectors in amsterdam and holland um and she actually i actually went out there um, a couple of months ago uh when you could travel remember those days um to talk at one of their evening events um and yeah lucy's like dynamo um extraordinary energy and um working across all kinds of uh, networks and trying to um, connect people to really make amazing things happen in the world. Um, massively motivated, massively driven. Um, yeah, really, really uh, feel privileged to have connected with Lucy and Jess and all the crew out there. Um, so check her out, thehumblebrag.co and Creatives for Climate in Amsterdam and you'll find a load of the stuff they are up to. So yeah, let's cut to Lucy von Sturmer. Where are you right now and who are you with? I'm in Amsterdam. I'm sitting um, in my, well, I'm facing my kitchen. I'm sitting in the sun on my kitchen table and uh, my husband is in the, the studio working on his own business. What are you struggling with the most during these days? Um, fear probably is the thing that I'm struggling the most with. Um, the reality sometimes of that fear. So going out into the streets and seeing a totally new world, um, when we do go out to get food, for example. Um, but also the truth is I'm struggling with time, which is not the answer that I'm supposed to give. Cause I know everybody's saying that they have more time on their hands, but, um, as the founder of a really small business, um, with new hires and a growing team, um, it's quite stressful, obviously, to pivot and to ensure that your price point's right for this new climate and that um, we're, you know, at the forefront of all the conversations that we think are really important to be at. And there's just so many great think pieces and webinars and amazing conversations that are happening. And I'm finding it really difficult to both do the work I want to do, but also to engage with all the inspiring conversations that I really want to be engaging with too. Three, have you started doing discovering always done something that is bringing you joy in these times. Um, I've started cooking every day for lunch, which is really nice because obviously like many people, we used to have a sad sandwich every day for lunch. Um, so I think um, just nurturing myself and having slower um, rituals around the things that matter and just make you happy 
has been really nice. And I think working from home has certainly enabled me to follow my own natural rhythm more. So for example, if I'm jumping from task to task, but I don't feel like I can necessarily bring all the energy that I need to, rather than having another coffee, I might just go and have a nap or I might go and sit outside. So I think that um, the slowing down has enabled me to get in touch with the natural rhythms of myself more, which is nice. What are you hoping could emerge from these extraordinary times? Wouldn't it be amazing if what happened um, post-corona was a reset in society in terms of what's important and valued? Not only, um, you know, possibly curbing incessant consumerism, but also valuing the services um, and the workers that have kept us um, fed and safe during these times. Possibly a reset in terms of what we admire and what we value as a society. Um, And hopefully also an opportunity more important than ever to mitigate uh, the effects of runaway climate change and um, for business as usual to stop. So for incessant growth to no longer be the goal of companies, but also um, in terms of governments that countries like New Zealand um, and I saw Spain today, for example, has announced a universal basic income that other models of leadership are possible, swift thinking, um, Things that have never been done before by governments are possible and by business leaders itself. So I'm really hoping that we all collectively enter this new mindset and this new energy together. And I think that had we not been forced to stay inside and go to our rooms basically for multiple months, um, nothing would have shaken us out of continuing business as usual, um, quite like the coronavirus. So the next question is... What bits of getting back to normal do you hope will not return? Um, I've said it before, but I think that the people that got us into this mess are not going to get us out of this mess, which means the old mindsets, um, old types of leaders, old types of leadership, I hope will um, no longer prevail and that new voices and new types of leadership, empathetic leadership, um, leading from behind, nurturing leadership will prevail. Um, And that also means possibly a reset in terms of... um, what it is, what is the purpose of a company or what is the role of government. Um, so I'm hoping that new voices emerge and that um, older, uh, older models of leadership and also hierarchical, typical um, patriarchal models cease to be so prevalent, dare I say that. Um, and then anything you want to share with others right now, e.g. a project, a poem, songbook, action word, story, whatever you like. Um, so this time has provided me the opportunity to dive into a little bit of um, what, like why I even have a company like The Humble Brag and why I'm spending my energy building an initiative like Creators for Climate. And I think it's because at its core, I really believe that um, words and ideas can shape the world and that I really want to be part of this new economy narrative and I want to give voice and light to others that are part of this narrative and um, I think it's a really exciting time for a lot of things that we thought were impossible to come to fruition and I think it's really beautiful to collaborate with people that are on this journey too and to embrace collaboration over competition, but also to um, create a, hopefully a wide 
spread mass movement of new voices and new possible um, ways of being. So for me, my contribution is through ideas and words. Um, and that's been really nice to get back to the core of why do I do what I do and do I still think it's important during a time like we find ourselves in? And so for me, the answer was yes. And I hope that other people um, have the opportunity to dive into thinking about where they're spending their energy. Is it relevant? Is it important? Does it touch on their core values? And I hope that people um, will find that the answer is yes. So I'm very lucky where I live and I really know that for a lot of people the lockdown must be like being caged in and um yeah i've got huge gratitude because i yeah i have a garden and i have a wood across the road where i can walk my dog and spring is just absolutely erupting right now um nature is flirting at us uh, everywhere and um, I was walking the dog the other morning and um, I noticed this cherry tree in full blossom and uh, there was just I could hear this humming uh, um, coming from the tree and I stood underneath it and it was just alive with bees um, like the whole tree sort of it almost felt like it was kind of vibrating it was quite stunning I tried to record it uh, I'm not sure if you can pick it up but let's just have a quick listen to the uh, this cherry tree and the bees Well, I'm probably not going to make BBC wildlife sound recording kind of uh, levels of uh, of uh, skills there. But anyway, those were the bees from the cherry tree across the road. So my next offering is from my good friend Mark Sears. Now Mark gave up a very senior um, career at Virgin brand many years ago to take the reins of the fledgling movement the wild network which i've been very actively involved with uh, since it was birthed six seven years ago which if you're interested is a movement to rewild childhood you can check out the wildnetwork.com uh, and mark steered the uh, movement from yeah, it's very early days for a number of years and uh, he's uh, someone that I've collaborated with as well as uh, journeyed with a lot, um, particularly around our um, connection to the non-human world. We've shared um, various kind of learning journeys and experiences together. Mark's a wonderful soul. Um, he's a great thinker, holder of spaces. He's really journeyed deep over the last few years, exploring um, our relationships as, as, as humans to the more than human world. 
and uh, of recent actually he's been doing some really brilliant work in Birmingham which is actually his old uh, where his roots where he grew up um, supporting more vulnerable communities um, children and communities um, develop access and relationships to the natural world um, so um, yeah lots of good stuff and he's uh, he writes poems and stories and yeah has a has a lot of um a lot of beautiful energy marks so i'm gonna cut now to my next offering which is from mark sears enjoy hey done it's mark here um thank you for inviting me to respond to your questions that you posed about this time um so I've actually taken myself off for a cheeky little sit spot out um, just near to my home, um, which is part of my answer to your first question about where am I right now and who am I with. So right now, this very second, I'm alone, surrounded just by, just by the kind of glory of this spring afternoon in the Dart Valley in Devon. Um, and that's, yeah, so that's where I live. Um, a little village um, called Staverton, which is in the Dark Valley uh, in South Devon. And in these strange times, I'm holed up here, um, or down here in the valley with my wife and two children who are nine and five. Um, so we're kind of sitting it out, um, as we all are, and just trying to make sense of it all. And, um, well, not even make sense of it all, just sort of live into it and breathe into it. Um, but really grateful to live in such an extraordinary place. Um, all the gratitude in the world, really, for kind of being able to, to hide out here. It feels like we're insulated from so many of the kind of really dark happenings that are, that are kind of going on out there. Um, and, um, yeah, just trying to appreciate spring. And that's why I've kind of come out, really, to record this out in my sit spot that I try to visit frequently, really, um, just to kind of bear witness to, to the kind of ever ever-changingness of spring um, which is kind of happening even though we're stopping it's all carrying on so that's where I am now ha huh. and that's a partridge no it's not a pheasant a female pheasant it scared the life out of me <laughs> um, <laughs> so, oh my god um, I jumped a mile um there we go. So what am I struggling most with during these times, um, other than my anxiety when I'm ambushed by a pheasant? Um, I guess, um, like so many of us, I'm, uh, I'm feeling really the pressure of, I'm, I'm calling it being zoomed out. Uh, you know, I feel like um, we're, we're doing all that we can structurally to kind of replicate a kind of busyness that, that, that comes from travelling everywhere and kind of connecting in a physical format with trying to replicate it almost in, entire, in its entirety by um, internet forms of communication. So, you know, Zoom and Google Hangouts and, 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 and all, the, all the other stuff. And um, so I'm feeling really zoomed out. I'm feeling like I really, um, well, so much of it is useful in a connection point of view and I can really see its value. Also really struggling with, with it, almost feeling like it's become a default. We must replace everything that we had in the former, <laughs> if you like, in our former lives with, with this a virtual sense um of of connecting and I, and, I, and i think it needs to be done with a little bit more um 
intelligence than that. Um, I think there's the sense that I'm, I'm struggling with, and I feel it myself, and I certainly see it in others, this sense of being afraid to stop, really, and sort of really leaning into this kind of uncertainty and this kind of invitation I, that I think we've been given to stop, to, like, really rest into this and, 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 and kind of unlearn so much of what we've... What, what we've um, that we've just grown to uh, feel is normal. Um, and it feels like there's a real uncertainty. One hand really wanting to kind of unlearn, breathe into this uncertainty, create space. And on the other hand, it's like, let's just, let's just carry on. Let's just connect. Let's do a Zoom. Let's do, you know, we'll, we'll, let's do a, let's all hang out on WhatsApp together. And it's just, I, I don't know, there's just, there's a tension uh, I know David White talks about that tension as almost like a, a conversation between those two opposites. And I'm really feeling that conversation, that real that tension between should I really be connecting here or should I just be creating space? Um, so that's hard because we've never done that before. So um, just working how, how to navigate that without a, kind of without a guidebook for that has been a, a good one, but it's been a struggle at times and I'm feeling it today. I'm feeling like I've spent far too much time on the internet trying to connect rather than um, just leaning into, leaning into the space that's opened up. So what's giving me joy? Well, so much, actually. And it's really weird because there's, there's so much that's given me grief and, uh, you know, giving me grief or opening me into grief. But, um, but there's joy, too. And I, I like that word, joy. Um, and I think one of the things that I'm really finding time for is to do this simple practice of the sit spot and I know you and I have both kind of lent into this practice through our kind of work and our training um or a nature connection and um you know it really is the kind of ultimate grounding tool to come out and spend you know 20 minutes minimum as many times as you possibly can in a patch of ground near to your home whether that's in a local park or or, or a piece of wood or anywhere really just the trick being as frequently as you possibly can and um, ideally in the same spot if you can. And um, so I'm really kind of trying to make the most of really making, really noticing spring happening, as I said earlier, just like this this sense of, I think we've been given an invitation to actually witness it this time rather than saying, oh, that was spring, hello, summer. And um, so I'm really finding joy in just like, I feel like I'm more in tune with spring this year than I've ever been, uh, actually. Uh, I can hear a chiff-chaff there just doing what it does and um just really you know i i felt like i noticed the chiff chaffs arriving in a wave a few weeks back um and the swallows just over the last couple of days in a way that i've never really done before so i'm finding deep joy in that actually um i think as well um i don't know whether this is a joy or just an appreciation um of some of the practices that again i know you and i have both delved into together dan and it's the um some of the Joanna Macy work, um, the work that reconnects and her sort of book, Active Hope. And um, I've been leaning into that a little bit in some of the work that I've been, that I've been lucky enough to carry on with. And, and just in some of the conversations I've had with friends and family about how we can use that process um, just to guide us into some deeper conversations around this time. So the Active Hope process where you, um, you start with gratitude, um, always with gratitude, to be really pay attention to that, to that that we're grateful for. But from that gratitude, you then go into honouring our pain for the world and just really naming and really leaning into all of the emotions that come up when we start to really notice all that we've lost, all that we're grieving for, 
um, in the world and um, how that makes us feel and really kind of allowing that emotion into our everyday conversations. And it's only from then that you move into the third stage that you see with new eyes. Um, so once you start to see yourselves as you, you, you pay witness and bear witness to your, to, your, to your grief and your pain, that you can then start to see your interconnectedness. And it's that seeing with new eyes, which is the third stage, the stage that then leads us into the fourth stage, which is to take action. And, um, and I'm increasingly seeing that as kind of micro actions that make up a big action. And you know, at one stage I kind of thought, oh, you know, this is one big thing that I'm gonna do as a result of leaning into all this pain for the world. And I'm gonna take this one big action. And I think you know, this, the idea of the work that reconnects is you keep on going around the circle. You keep on going around, you keep on being grateful. You keep on honoring your pain for the world. You keep on seeing with new eyes and you keep on taking action. It's that kind of perpetual kind of moving around that circle that is the power and I'm really seeing a kind of seeing more and more people that are kind of opening up to whether it's the work that reconnects or something similar that just opens us up into this deep deeper way of being with ourselves um and I think the final thing I want to mention that gives me joy is um just seeing I guess the community-led responses that are happening out there um you know I'm lucky enough to work with an organization in Birmingham who have completely repurposed their whole organization to be providing service to the most vulnerable people um, through this crisis, you know, whether that's giving food, whether that's a befriending service um, to make sure that people um, who are isolated don't feel lonely and are getting the support they need. And, you know, that's in Birmingham. That's just a, a coalition of a bunch of organisations doing that. And I know it's not unique to Birmingham and it's happening in small scales across villages towns and cities and it's just like the human scale response to this is extraordinary and like the power of humans to come together is amazing and um you know i sort of wish it wasn't crisis that caused it to happen but um it has and it gives me hope for the future but it's like how do we kind of learn from it and you know as we move out of this how do we keep in place these kind of local structures of support um and i guess love for one another that, that that's that becomes the really interesting thing and I guess that's a neat segue into the fourth question um, that you posed around what we hope might emerge from this. And uh, I guess le leading on from what I was speaking about, the work that reconnects and the active hope process, but I, I, I think I'd love to come out of this spaces where we continue to allow human emotions to be allowed. So, you know, we don't go back to a place where in our work environment and in our communities that we're kind of dead to that pain because, you know, we're going to come out of this there's going to be even more grief for people are going to be experiencing loss people have already experienced loss um that i know that i'm sure that you know and so we're going to be operating out of even more trauma than we were before but i really hope that out of it we can come to a place where we can own it and name it and that we move away from this narrative and i feel it very strongly around you know boris johnson being in hospital you know he's a fighter you know he'll pull through we can beat this thing together and that we can just start to change that narrative so you know again we've seen that everything's interconnected you know we can't beat stuff because it is us and you know and, and this language of you know, this very domineering language that we can just start to change the way we speak about things to change the way we act about things to actually recognize our interconnectedness that we can recognize our humanity in all of it um and, and then i guess i'm also seeing this hyper locality you know so you know i'm lucky enough to be to feel you know, to my local patch is this, this patch of the Dart Valley with the River Dart and the woodlands along its 
along its the steep woods along its banks and you know but i'm also seeing people that i know that live in cities who are noticing their local patch in new ways and that's the people in it but it's also the, the kind of natural world that is in there too and um so i kind of really hope that we can you know i feel it here you know in a normal weekend we'd be like should we go to the beach or should we go to the moor which is a wonderful <laughs> choice to have to make but it's like in these times we're actually just making our content with this little you know this little mile radius of land that we find ourselves in and I, I i hope that out of this we can start to love that a little bit more that we can just stop not to sort of seek our fulfillment in places that are far away from us and that we can start to understand our own local patches give love back to those love back to those communities that we can start to protect and care for and nurture our local wild places um i guess that's what i hope that we kind of don't immediately go back to a kind of place where i you know i need to go and find wilderness in somewhere far away from me or i need to if i, if I want some space to reflect and that, that has to be something that's far away that, that we can actually recognize you know the importance of our little patch of ground and we can start to dig in a bit you know in the way that we're being invited to dig in now that i'm hoping that we can learn that that's something that's for every day rather than just for these times of crisis really um and then what do i hope is not going to return well i hope we're not going to go back to this kind of busyness and rushing around i'm kind of i'm really enjoying not running around for trains and between meetings and meetups in places far away from here um and i think this sense that um we need i don't know there's there's something that i'm really appreciating about we're starting to learn about which bits of human interaction are important i think or at least leaning into that question so i hope we don't just immediately go back to assuming that we need all forms of human interaction again and by that i mean like we don't have to meet for meeting's sake i think we've proven that we can make the technology work better for us and that we can connect on that level but also that that doesn't work sometimes so i hope that we don't go back to just thinking that meeting is the only answer and that we go back to a sense where when we meet it is something that's really important and vital and that we all it's almost like it's treating it like an event like almost like a ritual so if we are going to meet let's make it proper you know, if we are going to commit to travelling, we are going to move around, we are going to commit those, if you like, those resources to it, um, human and, you know, earth resources, that it's worthwhile, you know, um, and that we pay attention to the quality of attention to the conversations that we have face-to-face, because -face, I'm missing that now, really. Um, I'm missing, you know, a virtual fireside isn't a replacement for a fireside. So next time that there is that opportunity to meet, let's really show up. Let's really, really connect to one another i don't want to go back to just meeting for meeting's sake um yeah yeah the quality of connection uh, let's not go back to to quantity of connection um so what else do i want to share well well there's a couple of bits actually that's really alive for me at the moment and um and firstly he's just sort of and i know it's something that you and i have both kind of lent into over the years dan and it's um kind of big old myth and story and Martin Shaw is somebody that we've both kind of experienced along our journeys and he's produced he's doing some stories that are sort of build as kid stories for kids on his Facebook page at the moment and um, I'm really I don't think they're necessarily for kids they're for all of us really and they're kind of these just these short but really powerful myths and I think sometimes we can think of this time of crisis as something that is um, 
it, it, it's only us that's experiencing that this is truly unique. And of course, it's unique in exactly this circumstance. But actually, once you start to lean into a bigger sense of human time and earth time, you, you can start to see it. this is part of a bigger pattern of happening. And kind of a, there's a deeper root to all of this. And, I, and, I, and I'm finding that really helpful. So I'm really enjoying kind of leaning into my own sort of story bag. Um, you know, and just, and, but also listening to Martins and others, and just sort of really just giving an old, a long time view of this, rather than a, just a, this has just been happening for the last six weeks. So that that's that's something important for me. But I also wanted to share something, and um, there's a kind of poet that I guess more than ever, anyone uh, speaks to me pretty much all the time. If I, I can if, pretty much if I'm feeling something, uh, if I reach for one of John O'Donoghue's poems, he's the one that can kind of really land it for me. He almost seems to have an answer in his poems for whatever I'm feeling. And um, this morning I stumbled across a poem that I've read before and um, and it just seems to really work for now. And so I wanted to share it with you, if I may. And it's, um, it's called For One Who Is Exhausted. And I think it speaks to us as individuals, but possibly as a society too. So I wanted to share that, if I may. And um, it goes a little bit like this. You have travelled too fast over false ground. Now your soul has come to take you back. Take refuge in your senses. Open up to all the small miracles you rushed through. Become inclined to watch the way of rain when it falls slow and free. Imitate the habit of twilight, taking time to open the well of colour that fostered the brightness of day. Draw alongside the silence of stone until its calmness can claim you. Be excessively gentle with yourself. Stay clear of those vexed in spirit. Learn to linger around someone of ease who feels they have all the time in the world. Gradually, you will return to yourself, having learnt a new respect for your heart and the joy that dwells deep within slow time. So I keep coming back to that line. It's probably the line that I use most on myself at the moment and with others that I speak to. Be excessively gentle with yourself. Be excessively gentle with yourself. Just feels like the call for these days. So um, I think I'd better leave it there and um, get back to my chiff-chaffs and my wrens. And um, thank you for inviting me to, to share this with you. And um, yeah, let's just all enjoy as much as we possibly can amongst the uncertainty and the pain and the grief and the sadness. Um, let's just enjoy nature, having it a little bit of its spring party. It feels like that right now. So uh, big love to you, my friend, and um, hope to see you around a real fireside very soon. Bye-bye. So I'm going to call it there. That was uh, episode two. Reflections from the Great Pause, this little mini-series experiment from the Spaceship Earth. I hope you enjoyed um, listening to those offerings. And thanks so much for listening. And take good care out there. Um, I'm going to attempt to get another episode out within the next 24 hours. Um, but I am camping out in the garden with my youngest daughter tonight, so I have no idea what tomorrow brings but wherever you are stay safe be well until next time peace and 